Sometimes it's a lovely bake, but sometimes it's a bit dreadful. Welcome to the Gingham Altar. I'm Mac. And I'm Megan. Every week we tackle another episode of everyone's favorite baking competition, the Great British Bake Off. And after we've set our piece, we try to put our bakes where our mouths are and replicate some of the recipes from today's episode. This week we're taking a look at Season 5, Episode 5. That's right, it's Pies and Tarts Week. Pie and Tarts. So I didn't realize it until this episode was almost over and Martha was talking about it, but it's like, this is really just pastry week. They just got a little themey about it because they're like, oh, all the pastries are going into fillings or with fillings. You're right. I didn't even think about that. And I know that they called the center challenge a pie, but it didn't occur to me until watching that it is a pie. It's a pear pie, but not. But it is. It is not what you think if you say the phrase mini pear pie, what that's going to look like. No, it, but it does look really cute. And I'm excited to talk about it. I thought this was a pretty good episode. I had fun with it. And it had some some drama, not compared to Bingate, obviously, not that kind of drama. But like people who started out on top ended up pretty close to the bottom. People who generally do very well did very poorly. There were peaks and valleys rising and falling. Like it was a fruit basket turnover, really. And so we can jump right in. So we started this week with the signature bake. And the bake was to make some sort of family-sized custard pie. In two and a half hours. So are you very familiar with custard pies? Is this something you make on the regular? No, this is the second I've made ever. I was actually surprised to go through my cabinet and find that I had a tart pan and I really had to think, to think of what my last tart would have been. I think it was a dark chocolate with a gingerbread crust. But in general, I see tarts as being fancy and pies as being homey, which doesn't make any sense because it wasn't difficult at all. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but the I agree that the tarts seemed a lot fancier and I have a lot more experience with like a covered pie that has maybe even some of these very similar fillings. Mm -hmm. It's a familiarity thing, partly. And the fact that it's not a short crust. Oh, that's true. Yeah. What kind of crust is it in a tart? I did this challenge and the one I did was a short, not a short crust, excuse me. It was a shortbread type quality. Like it's, I actually, I don't know what makes the difference. Well, this had eggs in it. Okay. So they had a lot of, and they had a lot of different kinds of things going in there. And I thought that there were some interesting little tidbits. Oh, but before we even jump into the challenge, there's another shot of Paul with his fingers weirdly only half in his pocket. They don't give him real pockets. I'm pretty sure that this (laughs) is the problem. Like that he doesn't have like normal man pockets on this show. I'd be mad about it if I were Paul because it's making him look like a weirdo. So I thought that they had some pretty interesting flavor profiles and some interesting decorations as they were going around the tent. One of the things that I thought was kind of interesting is I don't cook a lot with figs. Do you do a lot of fig stuff? No, there we had a fig tree in the yard growing up and they never really came ripe in or maybe they're just not the same variety that I think of as a, an edible fig, but I I need now I feel like I need to do a Google search to find out do they grow figs in the American South or is the reason why I haven't seen this because they don't they're not local or is it because it's just like gone out of fashion? Well, to me the only fig that I have a lot of familiarity with is the Newton variety. <laughs> Delicious. I love a fig Newton, don't even lie. There's nothing not to love about a fig Newton. But I thought that chopping them up and poaching them and then uh, when Richard stuck them on the top of his I thought it looked really nice. I thought it was a really interesting color and kind of layout. Until he bumped it, and then they all went wonky. Yeah, yeah. It was a nice idea, and then when it came out, I was like, 
Oh, that's Ooh, not that's yeah. not really what you wanted. I mean, like they didn't really bump him too hard for it being wonky looking, but on, when they came out, I thought, yeah, not that one. Well, there were a lot of problems with this show, with this signature bake. Just in general. Yeah, so they didn't really care for Richards that much. You know, they're like, oh, it came out a little weird, and and they were like, that we were expecting more orange, mm-hmm. and then Norman. Got cracked on real hard. Poor Norman. Mm. <sighs> He's like, I, I'm i going to make this super fancy Tarte Citron. And they're like, this is like the simplest thing ever. Like, why, why did you do this and not something better? Well, and not to jump ahead too far, but in the finale episode of this season, in the technical bake... They are made to make 12 mini Tarte Citrons as part of what it is. And the recipe that they're given is make a Tarte Citron. It's so basic that they expect them to know how to make it from memory. Yes. And just going to throw this out here. uh, Guess what I made for my signature bake because I was looking for the softball. I went for the Tarte Citron. And I will say... It did have a problem, a major problem that was not foreseen. So it it can go wrong. To assume that they will all turn out well is a mistake. But it was sad that he talked about, like, going to France and, like, thinking it was the most exotic thing he'd ever had. And, like, oh, buddy, not so much. When people say stuff like that, there used to be this show on the Food Network or maybe it's just like a special I caught, but it was, they were talking to a lot of their their chefs that are their common personalities, talking about the best thing that they ever made. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, and it is still an ongoing joke with me and Dale, Jeffrey Zakarian says that the best thing he ever made was a Caesar salad. What? I mean, then, it's a fancy Caesar salad, but I was just like, what are you talking about? This reinforces a lot of my beliefs about Food Network celebrities. that they are manufactured and ridiculous because what come on however the only thing i know really about jeffrey zakarian is that he is a chop judge a lot of the time and he does pilates which i read in food network magazine (laughs) (laughs) at some other point he he said on something he's like i don't wait in line for food if you go to a restaurant there's a line go somewhere else food's a lot of places he and ryan would get along real well yeah and that's what i was like you know that's a good point yeah. So I usually Food's a lot don't. of places. <laughs> With Ryan, he's like, if I'm going to have to wait in line and I can't get a reservation, I'm out. Like, that's, I mean, and I kind of respect it. Yeah. I mean, how could the food, how good could the food possibly be? Especially in a place with a lot of good food. Yeah. Like, if you're in a place where a food truck's going to give you something pretty awesome, why are you waiting in a line around the block? But, oh, poor Norman. I, I, I could see him when he was decorating it with what looked like... He was just dumping a bag of sugar on top. Yeah. I don't know what that huge cheesecloth, whatever he had was. He was just shaking the shit out of it over that pie. And I was like, oh, buddy. I was like, that's not okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dear. I, yeah, but they did say it was perfect. And I made the same thing and mine wasn't perfect. So I'm not going to throw too many stones at poor old Norman. He did. Well, we'll get there. I won't get there. But, oh, one of my favorite moments, my Nancy moment of the day is where Paul... She checks Paul pretty hard because he's like, I don't know, this seems like an awfully sm- like uh, short pastry uh, tart ring that she's using to hold her her tart. And it's like, how, how much, much filling are you going to get in there? And she thinks and she's like, quite a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 
Get it, girl. Oh my gosh. I want Nancy's confidence and Kate's beautiful, beautiful hair. Did you notice in this episode, I don't know if it was in this challenge, but at some point she has a braided ring of hair. Like that sort of like with lavender touches and like she has some of this really beautiful gray in and like, but yeah, she just has it braided around her head like a giant Swiss looking headband. She's like a- Oh, I did notice that. I thought her hair was really pretty this episode. I want it so much. And you know she did it herself because there's no way she went into like their hair department and was like can you do this because then everybody would have it everybody would look like they were going to the prom but like but no she just probably whipped it up there up around her head nancy uh, not nancy excuse me kate makes me want to grow my hair out and dye it purple and i know it wouldn't go well I don't know, for whatever reason, Kate feels the most relatable of any of them. She's a young, single mom, and she's really down to earth about her talent. I guess they all are pretty modest. I don't know, it's just, the, like, the sort of ideas she's has seem kind of, like, on par with stuff I think I could do. And I thought that the her little swirly decoration on her tart was a, was a pretty cool idea. Yep. And executable in a short time. Yes. Yeah, I think that she, she managed her time particularly well. Somebody who did not manage their time especially well was Martha. Bless her heart. And when she brought that thing out, there were so many apricots on it. See, I thought that it was really pretty, but then she had serious bake issues. I liked the the contrasting color of the pistachio and the apricot on top. And, uh, yeah, but it, it just... I feel like once they hit a bake issue, they're like, nope. Well, I, I think my thing with having apricots that big because other people put fruit on top like richard is that those apricots and chetna yeah even though they are oh and and louis did as well even if you even though apricots are small that even i have apricots almost as tall as your tart yeah and so like eating all of that as a slice i think isn't really it, it seems like you're hiding the tart because you're not super confident in it yeah like it would look good on a baker's counter but it wouldn't actually be good to eat. It's the whole aesthetic versus... But I thought it was really... Pr- but but maybe the camera was kind to it because Mary Berry looked at it and said it needs some sort of a glaze. And yeah. like, so maybe it was like really dull and didn't have a lot of shine. But I on the camera, I thought it looked pretty good. So I thought it looked pretty good too. Yeah. Uh, it was a shame. It's a shame about the bake though. Yeah, yeah, right? It's a shame it sucks is basically what that means. <laughs> There's a floral effect on Chetna's that she did with thin slices of mango arranged like the petals of a of a rose. And I'm very much about that. I see it a lot on Instagram and I just think it's gorgeous. I, I thought that hers really came together. I thought it was interesting that she put that, that rice mixture in hers and apparently it didn't come all together the way it was. But I thought that that was an interesting idea. Cooking rice and then having to cool, put it in a cool crust in a two and a half hour challenge. Does yeah. not seem like a plan to me. That's and I mean rice is in a lot of desserts like a rice pudding or, or things like that, but uh it's not a super common thing. And I think that and rice doesn't have a ton of flavor on its own. It's a good flavor holder. It's a base, right? And so I think it, it provided her like another element, but not a lot of strong flavors, which is what got her into a little bit of trouble there. Right, because usually she and and I'm. Are you a gentle flavor person or a punch-in-your-face flavor person? Please give me a strong flavor. Same. Yeah, same. And and there are a lot of people who don't feel that way. I've actually um read 
I want to say it might have been Dory Greenspan who wrote about how the French in particular can't handle anything spicy. Hmm. Like that they're they're just not about it. Like if it has any capsaicin in it at all, they're like, no, thank you. And I went. I remember going to an Indian restaurant a few years ago with a, a friend of ours in common named Rebecca, and she was eating this incredibly spicy Indian food, and just nothing was phasing her at all. Yeah. And I'm not quite at that level, but I do love a good punchy kick spice. Ryan and I have gone places, and he has eaten things that made him sweat, like mm. beads down the forehead. And to me, that's not enjoyable. But I, I do like I like spices, but I don't necessarily go in for spicy. I, I doubt that there are any super authentic Thai restaurants in my area, but when we do go, I order like a five. So I, I like some, but I don't want it to hurt. Like you don't, I don't want the the hurt me daddy level of spiciness. No, no, I'm not into it. You know that, and I don't want to be hurt, no matter how. Honestly. <laughs> but like, I'm a gentle flower. Exactly. Like uh, I hurt myself enough. Um, like, <laughs> but. Yeah, I I like strong flavors too. I think that in that challenge, probably Luis came out on top and Kate did quite well too. Yeah, but everybody else had some form of problem. Nobody Egregious. had scrambled eggs. That's true. But, uh, but everybody had some issues. It's a custard tart, but I didn't notice many people cooking their eggs. No, and they don't seem to be very concerned about like food safety because at one point like Richard just like drinks a little bit of his custard mixture. Are Americans more prissy about that? I think we might be. Okay. Well, that explains a lot. Did I ever tell you that uh, I got yelled at at a Pizza Hut in London? (gasps) For doing what? (laughs) So... Um, it was like the like one of my last days in London, and so I was over there with my, my friend Kristen, and we were like, you know what, let's just go eat some, let's go eat a chain restaurant somewhere that has a fountain drink so we can get unlimited refills, and because that's like not the way a you think that's not a thing in many places. No, it and sucks. so we went, and so Pizza Hut's a buffet at lunch, which is great. Now, when you go back to the buffet, you get a new plate, correct? Yeah, always. Okay. That's not a thing over there. So they just thought you were being plate greedy? Yes. The manager came out and yelled at us. The fuck? What? Like, that's... (laughs) Get over yourself, Pizza Hut. And that's actually, no, that's a very Pizza Hut reason to yell at someone like you and your food safety. Chill out, you prissy American. So I was like, oh, "Oh, I'm happy to use the same plate because, I mean, honestly, like, I haven't done anything but touch it. So, like, it's just my germs. So I don't care. But that is kind of think of it kind of an over the top food safety rule. But I but yeah, that's just right. As as soon as I was like, oh, that's not a rule. Everyone was like, it is kind of oddly specific. I get in theory why it's a rule. But I also think kind of how many people have actually been hurt by this. Is this kind of like the razor blades and the Halloween candy? Exactly. And honestly, the... (gasps) Did you watch Wild Wild Country? No. You need to. It's on Netflix. But anyway, it's one of the greatest cases of bioterrorism in the United States. And it involves salad bars. So... But it was was a huge um, political thing and scandal. So you don't have to worry as much about, like, your Pizza Hut salad bar if you still like to hit that. Your pizza bar, if you will. (laughs) That was the signature bake. And do you have anything else to say about it before we move on to the technical? Mm, Nope. All right. So our technical challenge this week is six mini pear pies. And man, do they ever look like a bitch. This is one of the bakes that I always think about when I think about the show. Okay. To me, this is iconic because it's 
weird. <laughs> You're like, never seen that before. And it looks really hard and annoying. Right. They seem to have like really struggled with it and all. And this is the one that I actually took on to recreate this week. So I can't wait to talk about it in a little bit. I watched this episode. I've now seen it three different times. And I got to tell you, I have never watched it and thought, I got to try that. I no. Not because it doesn't look tasty, but because it just looks like... Oh man, poor things. Like Richards, and, and he didn't do well all that well in the first challenge either, and in this one. So in the challenge, you poach a pear, so the pear is hot and steamy, and mm -hmm. then you have to have made this pastry, mm -hmm. and the pastry needs to be chilled somewhat so it doesn't just melt, and you cut it in thin strips and wrap your pear from bottom to top. Yes. And they look like little pear mummies. And they're really cute in the example one, but nobody got them that cute. No. And and they actually, for timing on the show, they skipped a couple of steps. And so oh. we will we'll talk about some of the stuff that they, they skipped. But yeah, I think that this is one of those things where the actual baking, it's about construction and time, just like Paul said. The actual yes. pieces of this are not terribly hard to do. You know, it's poach some pears, make a syrup. Wrap them up, bake them. But if you don't know what you're going for, this is not what you would have thought you were going to end up making. It also seemed like maybe their order of operations wasn't right. And that was where a lot of them went wrong. Because it seemed like everyone made pastry, poached the pear, and then the pear was too hot. Right. So the pear should have gone in the freezer. Yeah, and maybe gone in the freezer immediately? Yes. Like, like the first thing you did would be to poach your pear and put it in the freezer and then yeah, make the pastry. Yeah. And so that's where a lot of them fell apart and and then just not having enough baking time at the end because they, they recognized that they needed more time and, and couldn't get there. But they ended up doing it. Richards is the only one that abjectly fell apart, although yes. Norman didn't do so hot either. Right. And then I guess Luis's was a little raw, but his, I mean, you know, he knew that. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is the best they're going to get. Was kind of the attitude. <laughs> like, a couple of good quotes from this challenge are, hopefully they don't need long, because they ain't gonna get long. And that was from Richard. <laughs> and, but I will say, Richard kicks so much ass at losing, at doing poorly. He doesn't treat it like it's a joke in, in the negative sense, but he laughs about not doing well. Like, he has such a good... I want to have Richard's attitude about this toward everything in my life. Like, oh, well, that was a massive cock-up, wasn't it? Ha <laughs> ha. And then just sort of go on with your day. Because I know he must be engaged. He must care because he's putting in a massive amount of work. And he mentions practicing at home. So he, it's not that he doesn't care. It's that he has mistakes and failures very much in perspective. Or is a sociopath and doesn't feel anything. Oh, well, I don't think it's that. But no. I have noticed that... When Richard's on, he's on, and when he's off, he is off. Whoa. Yeah, like, <laughs> he was so incredibly bad. Like at He the doesn't end, have a lot of mixed days. Right. At the end of this episode, you can read it on his face that he thought that, like, it would have been fair if he had gone home. And then Martha ends up winning, and so that kind of neutralizes her, her poor showing in the morning. And Luis feels like he just tanked he didn't do as badly as richard did for example or norman really but for Luis, you could tell it was like well this is a a swift and intense turn from my victories of the morning like, <laughs> which honestly isn't a bad thing to see and he handles failure pretty well too yeah another excellent quote i thought was um if it goes pear-shaped it's going right <laughs> Hey, yuck, yuck, yuck. I know. I love that Mel and Sue make terrible jokes. I'm pretty into it. The puns. Oh, the puns. But I think I cut you off. What were you starting to say? 
you know, but that's all I pretty much have to say about the technical, and I am ready to move on to the showstopper. I do have a really light and fluffy comment that is just about the episode entirely. They're big into giving sort of a fashion motif or a signature. Like, Paul almost always is wearing a blue button-down, and Mm -hmm. Mary Berry is almost always wearing a fabulous jacket of some kind and it's so cute and I feel like she's a great example of an older lady presented as being chic without looking silly and this episode she had a hot pink asymmetric zip motorcycle jacket and it had these bright kind of like dangly zipper poles that were almost like jewelry all over it like everywhere there was a zipper anyway and I was just so into it I was real into it she has a consistently strong point of view style wise but it's really great Yes. I mean, she she's kind of she's kind of iconic feminine and like I know she's in her 80s, right? Yeah, she's on up there. But and I'm sure she has a stylist who she works with, but I'm just really and you, but you can tell that she does have signature pieces that I bet belong to her because she has an Hermès belt and she has a necklace with large pearls that she wears in several episodes and they're both just like timeless and gorgeous and very, very expensive, I have no doubt. And it's like, I want to be Mary Berry. Who doesn't? But anyway, so that was my my fluffy comment. No worries. So we've got to the showstopper. And what a showstopper. And the showstopper this week is a trio of pies. Stacked. I, uh, yes, that must be stacked. You've got four and a half hours. A, a minimum of three pies. Because some do four. Right. <laughs> I looked at this and thought... Not doing that one. No. I, and that's exactly what my thought was. It's like, this is very impressive. I would never, no. never, 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 never try this. I am not going to say never, but it would have to be for like a huge gathering of people because they made a massive amount of food. I mean, yeah. you think about the cost of ingredients that went into this for any person it has to have been like a 150 dollar project no they made 23 pies yeah like and so and it's like they're all packed with meat which i have well not all excuse me they they, several contestants did a dessert pie on top so it was for some a savory and then maybe another savory and then a dessert on top and i make savory pies fairly frequently but their idea of what is a savory pie uh, is more varied in a sense than mine because to me savory pie means gravy. Gravy is very important and they have a couple like I, I know it's a tradition of the pork pie that is wall-to-wall meat often held together by a jelly and I gotta mm. tell you I'm not feeling a pastry case filled with head cheese because that's what it looks like and no thank you. Yeah I one of Norman's pies was a haggis and spinach and like minced pork mixture. Venison. Or something. There's venison. venison in there too because was it wasn't like, strong enough. Oh, it's so good. It's going to be so gamey. Yep. And they do a lot of game in when they do these savory sort of pies. And the only game that I've ever really had the chance to eat with any sort of frequency is venison, venison. is deer. Right. You get more moose in Alaska, but I haven't had much or any. You know, I've, I mean, I've had bison and rabbit and things like that but not not enough to be like oh and i know how i would flavor this in a pie or whatever right like it's not it's not popular here either my look from a judge of the week actually Ooh. comes from the showstopper Ooh. but for the first time it's from a host oh 
Who was? Oh, I know. Tell. So it's, you know how the hosts will come by and they'll like put their finger in stuff and taste it as they go by? Yep. When Mel stops by Norman's thing and tastes his meringue and she goes, is there lavender in this? (laughs) Oh my God. And then she looks at the camera and she just mouths, there's a ton of lavender in this. Oh my God. And it's like, you wonder like, couldn't he have taken that as a note? Like, hmm, perhaps I should scale back on the lavender, but no. I I think he was trying to be experimental. Like, I I don't think he normally puts a lot of lavender in his food. No, no, he's not a lavender kind of guy. He's like a farthing biscuit kind of guy. And so. (laughs) I was like, the phrase lavender kind of guy trips me up because that's an old expression for the homosexual. Is it? I didn't know that. To be a little bit lavender. That, though. I love <laughs> lavender. No wonder. Ugh. I think that hot water crust pastry is probably not delicious. No, if it's strong and easy to work, then I'm sure it is of the chewier, flaky, or like I bet it. I bet it is more shortbread consistency, maybe yes. than than flaky. Mm-hmm. There's one thing that I winced at a lot while all this was going on, and that was all of the raw meat going into these pies. And it's not a food safety thing, because I know that it can be cooked and cooked well. It's it's truly from experience that raw meat going into a pastry case seldom goes well. Because if you've ever browned hamburger in a pan, you know that a tremendous amount of fat can escape your meat during cooking. Right. And you really see that in Martha's, because she takes her pie out of the tin and you see that there is a literal stream of fat rolling out of the bottom corner of her pie and just think of that at least a cup yeah yeah it was and it's all colored red from all the paprika in her stuff and it's like you think about how greasy that paste that that mixture and that bottom pastry case must be to have sat in that for most of the baking process. And it, it it can't be good. And that may be why they do more game. Because game tends to be pretty lean. That's true. I, mm, I myself tend to go with meats that can handle a lot of cooking. And you either par cook them or cook them completely before they go in. Like a chicken thigh would do really well. Like a leftover chicken thigh would go I was just thinking nobody really did well. any poultry. That's true. I thought, I thought I saw it at one point. Like with fruit on top from Luis. But I could be wrong. Oh, maybe if he did, he was the only one. But you'd think that because chicken doesn't release a lot of fluid or, nope. or or hen or turkey for that matter. So it probably would have been. Dark meat would have been a great choice. White meat, I think, could go kind of. Rubbery. Yes. If it's over at all, it's just done. But yeah, the pie leaking hmm. fat was unsettling and it was burnt because of, I'm sure, all of the fat along the edge with the high heat. A couple of notes. I thought that Nancy borrowing Richard's ear pencil was really cute. I'm also, I'm going to ooze over Richard for a minute. I'm very into his blue collar accent today <laughs> because he keeps saying through instead of through. And I, I don't know. It's just sort of like, get it, Richard. I'm into you. Oh, see, the person that I'm super into today is once again, Nancy, because I was like, you built those pies by hand. Yep. You didn't use a tray. You did. I think maybe it was when I watched this episode for the first time is that was the first time I realized you could build a pie like that. Yep. Nancy's a queen. And I just saw that and I'm just like, that is so impressive. Yeah. They actually end up doing that as a technical challenge later on in the series. And it's like, she just thought, no, that's the way I'm going to do it. Like, I don't know if it was to be extra impressive 
or if she was just like, that's just how I do it. Well, it was because she couldn't layer it how she wanted it without building the pie around it at the same time. Oh, well, I mean, good honor. Holy smokes. And I'm, I'm with you. The other standout that I thought would this week was Chetna's. I thought that hers was decorated beautifully. Yeah. And she often does. And I think that she's one of the only ones who really, like, got the look right. Right. I did think it was cute that Martha had a little pig on hers. Oh, that was cute. I did like that. So at one point, Paul uses the phrase brownie points, and I really wish that that phrase would go out of vogue because I feel like I know too much about where that phrase comes from because it comes from brown noser, and that comes from the idea that someone has their nose so far up someone else's butthole that they've gotten poop on the tip of their nose. So I'm just not about the phrase brownie points. I don't want anyone's brownie points. I thought it came from the little Girl Scouts that aren't old enough to be Girl Scouts yet, so they're brownies. No, babe. I'm pretty (laughs) sure it comes from shit on the tip of your nose. So the suggestion is that you are that, like, a brown noser, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I could Yeah, I mean, I know where that comes from, yeah. Yeah, but, like, every time I hear it, I'm just like, ugh. I hope nobody ever offers me brownie points. <laughs> Unless they're redeemable like the sig- for real brownies. Yeah, ooh, you're right. I would take those. <laughs> oh my gosh, brownies. So are you ready to talk about your bake? Yeah, I don't have too much else to say about this episode. I thought that we didn't even mention, you know, Diana's gone. We mentioned it last week, but you know, she did step out. People had a lot of nice things to say about her. And there was a short Ian crack, too, which shows that the producers are firmly on the in the uh, Diana slash Ian deserved to get sent home. And we're sticking with that kind of crack. Right. And they, uh, Mel and Sue even say, we have a couple of rules about this assignment. And then the only rule is don't throw it in the bin. Yeah. It's like, ouch. I thought that was in almost poor taste. A little bit. I, I thought. I think that they were trying to have fun with it and to show that, like, they weren't taking that the show wasn't going to get heavy. But it just it kind of landed with a thud. Yeah. Also, like, we're not going to own up that there might have been any wrongdoing in judgment here. Was how I read it. We're gonna go like the line we're taking is that we did the best possible thing, and whether you agree with them or not is up to the individual. But I didn't need that moment of reinforcement. So Kate becomes Starbaker this week, and then quite expectedly, Norman goes home. Right, yeah. And it was time. I I don't think that there's anything to be said about that. He had gone as far as he could go, and I don't know that there was a lot of extra he could have done. When people aren't quite there, or like they're going to be one of the last, they're obviously not in the top tier. They're in the middle of the pack. It gets kind of depressing because every challenge they're like, so stressed out and having such a hard time and the judgment is painful and it's like you're kind of ready for them to get sent home well and i think that he's the last of the bottoms to go home the last of the clearly won't make it to the final yeah everybody else who's left has a shot and it's really impressive that martha's among them yeah oh no it's it's quite a credit to her holy smokes i mean to honestly to any of them who have a day job which is louise has a day job richard has a day job Kate does. Nancy does not. Can't remember about Chetna. Chetna, I think, is a stay-at-home mom, and I'm going to call that a day job because she has multiple children. For me, it's not quite a day job, but if I have another, I'll be there. We'll see how that turns out. I'm going to be a different person. (laughs) Like a really, really angry person, probably. But yeah, I am ready. So we can, let's move on to our recreations of the bake. Let's Uh, do. Overall, a great episode. Onward and upward. There you go. 
my bake this week was the mini pear pies from the technical challenge. Because you're crazy, but go on. Well, like I said before, I think it's iconic, and so I wanted to recreate it. So what you do to make a mini pear pie Mm -hmm. is, first off, you need to buy some pears. Yes, that's that's key. (laughs) Well, it's not not a fruit that I keep in my house. It's not something we do a lot, but unbeknownst to me, pears are a winter fruit, so they were perfectly in season. I learned that this week, too. So I went to the store, and I got the biggest pears I could find because I figured they would be easier to wrap if I had more of a pear to hold on to. Good point. So I got some Bosque pears that were probably four or five inches tall. So what you do is you you peel the pears and then you put them in some poaching syrup and or a poaching liquid. So which is a white wine, some sugar, some cinnamon sticks, orange zest, and I think that's probably it. Maybe a little bit of extra water. That sounds nice. I bet it smelled good. Oh, it smelled fantastic. I mean, the whole house smelled very, like, warm. Festive. So, you, and you, po- and so what you do, you know, to poach something is you boil the liquid, put the fruit in there, turn it down to a simmer, let it go. To me, so I didn't quite have the right sized pot for this. My three quart pot wasn't quite big enough. And then, so when I put it in, like, a, a bigger, like, a Dutch oven, that was too big. So then you didn't have enough liquid. Right. Mm-hmm. And so so I started it in the Dutch oven, and it was cooking and all this. And I was like, okay, uh, about halfway through, I'll, I'll turn them over and so that they can kind of be in the liquid equal amount. Well, it got down to a little bit, and I was like, I bet I could put it in the smaller pan now, and we could just put the pears normally stacked up, and it'll boil, and I can do the rest of the time in the smaller pan. So I pour everything in there put that over some heat, and it boils over a little bit, and my oven explodes. Oh, my God. Mac, I'm so sorry. It explodes. Wait. Back it up. <laughs> Let's define explodes, shall we? So what happened was <laughs> when it went over the heat, it boiled over a little bit, and some of that fluid got into the indicator light that oh. indicates that the stove, that an eye is on. Oh. And so... It shorted that out and threw the breaker. Oh, so there was and like it, a, a spark of light. And... Oh, it exploded in sparks. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, like there was like a snap, crackle, pop kind of effect. Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't realize how bad this was. I thought it was just like, zzz, and then the power went out. Oh no no no! It was like pow. Oh my god! I made like a big noise, scared Dale and the dog. Like, did you scream? I didn't scream, but I like jumped back from it. Mm-hmm. So luckily, it threw the breaker. I was just so at that point I had to cook with just the right side of my stove because I called my <laughs> my maintenance and, an and interesting smell. <laughs> they told me that it, it was fine to use the other half so long as it didn't explode. But, so, oh, thanks, um, buddy. <laughs> I know, right? So, anywho, if it explodes, I kind stop of, using it. I kind of lost track of my time at this point, so I think I did it in time. But you know, it's completely acceptable. There was a little interval here. In the case of, of an explosion, or excuse me, stove explosion. But so anyway, I poached them down. But with all that flavor from all the other things that you added. Right. So it's it's a flavored kind of syrup. And so so you take the pears out and you let them cool a little bit. And the, something that they didn't show is that you have to go into the bottom of the pear with a spoon or a melon ball or something and core out the seeds. Oh, yeah. That's important. Yeah. Who wants to eat that? Gross. Exactly. And you can see it in some of the ones that they cut for the judging that that so had they happened. they did it, but it was boring, so they didn't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's a little harder than it looks at first. So, like, I, I ended up using a dessert spoon that had a long handle. Nice. Um, so I could really kind of get in there and get all that stuff out. You sure it so was that... an iced tea spoon? <laughs> 
you know, that's a thing, right? So anyway, so I, and then I, I set those aside to cool. I think I might've stuck them in the fridge. While those were poaching and all of that, I was putting together a rough puff pastry. Okay. Which I've never made. Compared to normal puff pastry, it's super simple. Okay. So well, what it is, either, so. <laughs> is you're combining equal parts. So you've got seven ounces of flour and then you put equal parts butter and lard frozen mm. with it. Where'd you find lard? Well, here's the thing. Mm. Typically, I can find lard. You can find maybe a thing of lard at your local grocery store. It's often in the either the international food section mm. or with the Crisco. Every once in a while, they'll refrigerate it, so you might find it in the refrigerated section, too, near, like, the yogurt and eggs. I figure it'd have to be refrigerated. I've seen it only at, like, more lowbrow grocery stores, like Save-A-Lot. I've seen it. The grocery store that I was going out to shop for this did not have lard, so I ended up freezing a, a stick of uh, Crisco. Oh, okay. Uh, veg- vegetable shortening, which I figured I was, like, the whole goal of the lard is just to add fat. And that's right. what this is. So I and think it'll... that isn't as meltable. Right. And so I think that this will be fine. And so what you do is you combine all of that. You you chop the the, fa- the fats up, the butter and the, the lard, and you mix it all together with the, the flour. You can do it in a food processor if you've got one. That's the preferred way. I don't have one, so I just did it by hand. How do you live? So I've got... And then you add an egg and a little bit of sugar in there. And so what you do is... Once it's all combined, it's in a, a sheet all together, and then you can roll it out, and then you're going to roll it in thirds. What they did on the show is that they made the dough, and then they put the fat on top of it, and that's how they folded it in. Either way works for kind of what you're doing. It just depends on how much you are trying to get. Uh, what I actually did to get this stuff smaller, though, was uh, I grated it. That's smart. Okay. But basically, you, what you do is you roll it out into a rectangle, fold it into thirds, and then you turn it 90 degrees, roll it out again, fold it into thirds, and then you put it in the fridge. And every 20 minutes, you take it out and do another two rounds of that. One thing that's very distressing for me is the feeling that one should not overwork one's pastry. So the whole time I'm touching it, I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. It's like... Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's just the nature of the beast. Okay. Well, that makes yep. me feel better. At least I'm nuts in a normal way. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's definitely part of it. And so it's all cooling down. And then you get to the point where it's time to... You've rolled it out a couple of times. And so now it's time to do the big rollout. And so you're going to roll it out in a rectangle... That is enormous. So you're looking like maybe two feet by one feet. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty big and it's not very thick. And then you need to cut it into strips that are like a third of an inch. Oh my gosh. In thickness. When you're doing these strips, I found it was easiest to use a pizza cutter. Okay. That because that's... But I initially messed up. I, I thought I was going to cut the strips tall ways. So like I was getting like one foot strips but in reality what i was supposed to do is cut it long ways to have these two foot long strips oh no so i realized after a couple of inches and i i went back and did it the right way and it wasn't too big a deal you could just seal it back with your fingers yeah or i, I just use the smaller strips okay gotcha because you can you can do that here is where the complicated part comes in the part where you wrap the pear right Right. So you've got your poached pear that is hopefully cooled down. You've got your hopefully still chilled pastry. And then you have to, starting at the bottom. <laughs> at the bottom, you've got to start and you've got to wrap this these strips around the pear. And then when you come to the end of a strip, you, with your fingers, like press the next strip in and keep wrapping. And at the top, you 
you put the little uh, whatever end you've got underneath. The wrapping, once you get started, it's not hard. To me, the hardest part was getting it, getting the first loop done. And okay. oh, and actually what you do to get it to stick is you brush on some of that simple, of that syrup that you made with the poaching. Mm. So you made your own glue. Basically. Now, here are here by the time I got to the sixth one, I was a pro at this. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna fix some of the mistakes that I made and just tell you the way it needs to go. Okay. First off, you don't need as much syrup as you think you do. Okay. Mm, That pastry Yeah, there's that pastry's super light. So when you brush it on there, you can almost kind of go around with your hand and whatever comes off on your hand, you can just like wipe that off. All right, sweet. Good to know. So you've got that. The next thing is you want these pears and this pastry to be as cold as possible. Like, you should have stuck them in the freezer almost. Mm. And if they start getting warm, stick the whole kit and caboodle in the freezer. And that and that's the real trick of it. Because once, if there's too much, if there's too much poaching syrup on the pear, then the dough is going to get moist and it's going to become impossible to work with. Right. Then you get slippery. Same if it gets too hot. If it gets too hot, it's going to fall apart. I think it's probably fair to say that in any challenge in this episode, heat is not your friend. No, 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 no. And so as you're wrapping around, that all works pretty good. You can push it down a little bit. If the string breaks, and it probably will, you Mm -hmm. just stick it back together and keep on going round. And there may be like little holes that come up. Uh, I ended up putting two fingers on the inside of the hole. I put two fingers inside the hole. That's the first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, sorry. Well, I guess. (laughs) Uh, And I basically like use that as a, as a way to turn the pear and wrap it around with my other hand. When you get to the top, you poke, you push the little thing in, and then you use a little bit of the remaining dough to cut out a little leaf and stick that on the mm-hmm. top. And they did that, but they didn't talk about it. Okay. So then you st- then you brush the whole thing in an egg wash and uh, sprinkle some sugar on it, and then you put them in the oven for 20 minutes. And you just kind of got to watch them. Uh, you know, the pastry is going to catch at various levels depending on how much exposure to the heat it's got. But once it starts to look pie-colored, you take them out. Okay. Did you notice any slippage? No. All uh-uh. right. They, they stayed pretty good. Now, sometimes they were like maybe like gaps or something that didn't all the way fill. But if the if the puff pastry's made right, it's going to expand a little bit. Yeah. You know, these these strips aren't going to get huge, but they'll expand some. So if you've got little, little things, then that's okay. So I brought them out, and then you let them sit for a minute, and then you, right before serving, you uh, pour a little bit more of the poaching syrup over the top, and then they are good to go. Sounds like a great bake. It sounds like most things went right. Were there any tragic moments? So I will say when I was trying to cover the first couple of them, I put way too much syrup on the outside. So like getting the strips to stick and not fall to the bottom because the syrup's heavy, and so it'll push the whole thing down. Oh, okay. So that was kind of bad. Uh, when I was trying to use those smaller strips and having to like attach a new strip like every two times around Ooh. was very frustrating. So, I mean, there were little things like that. By the time I got to the point where I was cutting out the leaves, my pastry was too hot. Oh, and no. so it was like it wanted to tear every time I cut it. And so I was just like, whatever. These, like, in theory, these leaves are supposed to have like little indentations for the veins and all that. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't do that. I like, it yeah. would just what I need to get them on there. So, I mean, there were a little bit of problems like that. My biggest problem was the, you know, the poaching blowing up my my stove. Yeah, that's a pretty significant issue. And then I, so then we tried some. And I will say, I thought it was pretty decent. Okay. The poached pear is, I mean, it's the bulk of what you're eating. The the pastry's 
kind of just decoration almost. I mean, you get a little bit of pastry flavor, but the amount of pastry compared to the amount of pear is really poached all the way through. The pear has a really good flavor. It's very soft. I thought that that really worked. The What I will say is when I took these into work, they didn't go as quickly as a lot of other things that I have made. Huh. And I think the reason is, is you have to commit to eating a whole one of these. Oh, that does make sense. There's no way to cut it in half. There's no way to have a bite. So, like, this is a pretty intense dessert. Like, if you're going to serve it, it's a whole to-do. And, you know, you can't eat it on the go or whatever. You're, like, sitting down with a fork to eat this. It sounds like a formal dinner to me. Yeah. it, It sounds like you've gone to an event. What is the dessert course? Except the events I go to, it's usually, like, some sad Aramark style cake. But, like, if you went to a truly fancy, like, a, a wedding, maybe. Like, and actually... Actually, at a wedding, they have cake. But anyway, you know what I mean. Right. And actually, this is something that I would continue to make for that sort of event. event mm, because party. Because it keeps really... You could make this way earlier in the day. Interesting. It doesn't need to be warm or anything like that. I wouldn't have guessed and that. And so... And it's very impressive. Everybody gets their own... And I think that I'm not sure if it how well it would go with all other fruits, but I think maybe you could do the same thing with maybe apple or, yeah, or any sort of like heartier festive. fruit where you eat the meat. Is there any way you could stuff it in some way before baking? Like maybe if you had a crumble to go inside or like some sort of toasted nut mixture? Ooh, I bet you could. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, or if you like cut the base of the pear off. And then yes. create a hollowed out center some. Yeah. You know, I, I and if you wanted to go a slightly more savory route, I bet that putting like uh, a blue a blue or a sharp cheese in there Ooh, yeah. could be an, an interesting mix for these flavors. You'd have to think about your poaching syrup, though. Like, how would you yeah. do savory poaching syrup? But, but I get what you're saying, like that it's surprisingly versatile. And I kind of like that it's a dessert that's mostly fruit because I try to steer away from things that are just unremittingly heavy and this feels like you would eat it and actually feel like it wasn't too much right i didn't think that it was too much at all and it left a lot of the poaching syrup afterwards so if you wanted to use that as like a dipping sauce for other fruits or something like that Mm. it would certainly work for that oh yeah that sounds fun yeah so sounds pretty great I, i i mean i thought it worked really well for something that looks super finicky once you realize that the true trick is give yourself some time and everything has got to be ice cold Mm, which is the one thing that's hard to do and to give in the tent right but i mean if you're just in your house and you want to make these don't let the fact that they struggled scare you it's actually much easier to do inside in your own space than the circumstances they were in same same with my challenge honestly you know i i definitely learned some stuff about you know, making this rough puff pastry and how, how easy that that can be and in a lot of different things. But I would certainly make this again. And I think that this is one of the the fancier, like I was, I was fully expecting that this might fail because, you know, it seemed so, so odd, but I was very pleased that it came together as well as it did. Awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. So tell me about your bake. 
I decided to do the signature bake and I went with uh, the, <laughs> the tart that was made by the person who got voted off this week. So, you know, obviously I was going for the big win. I chose to do a whole lemon tart, otherwise known as a tart of citron. And Norman did this and took a different approach because you see him zesting lots of lemons and juicing lots of lemons. This recipe, which I found from the Smitten Kitchen website, is called a whole lemon tart because it uses a whole lemon. It only uses one lemon, but it uses it peel, pith, and all. And she said it's loosely inspired by a version from the Paris pastry shop, and I'm going to butcher it, Rollet Pradier. I decided to use her recipe all the way through in part because the whole thing is made in a food processor. And I went ahead, set it up, and I started by making the tart shell because that needs to be par-baked or blind-baked. And so she has what she calls the great unshrinkable sweet tart shell. And I will say it did shrink away from the sides somewhat, but only from the sides and the sides stayed perfectly vertical. So I'm going to call that one good. I had a great time with the shell. For that, you put in flour, confectioner, sugar, and a little bit of salt and top it with nine tablespoons of butter. And then, yeah, I know. And, yeah, there's nothing light about pie and tart week. Yeah, no. And so you pulse until you get pieces about the size of flakes of oatmeal or peas. And so you pulse it until it looks kind of right to you. And then you stir up a little... You stir up an egg and drizzle it over the top so that it gets pretty evenly incorporated. And her directions for how to work the food processor were really nice. Um, she gave great... Uh, the description of what things should look like was very good. She said that right after you add the egg, it's going to look granular and then it's going to form clumps and curves. And just before you reach that stage, the sound of the machine working the dough will change. And sure enough, it happened exactly like that. I was listening hard and there was a little turn from more of a mixing sound to like a womp, 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 womp as it turned into dough. You turn that out onto plastic, fold it up, mash it into a disc and throw that into the refrigerator. That was supposed to chill for two hours and that is almost all the time I had for the whole challenge so obviously that wasn't going to work I put it in for an hour and called it good you take it out and and while this was happening I got started and did all my cutting to make the tart filling but I'll go ahead and finish with the par bag before I tell you about that I always use a tape measure that is actually supposed to be for the junk drawer because my husband uses tape measures all over the house for reasons I don't fully understand. You roll it out to 13 inches and then, uh, 13 inch round, and then I folded that into quarters. I centered the point of the folded dough in the center of the tart pan and then opened that folded dough. And, oh. and that way you know it's pretty much centered. And I pressed that into the buttered tart pan. And I really liked her instructions for how to trim the edges. I thought it looked very pretty. You don't want to have a too thick crust on the bottom. But I actually like some thickness on the sides. So um, she, I sound like... Who's a player who's like, I like it underbaked. Uh, I was like, I like that thick side. I do. <laughs> I do. Spelled T H I C C. Of course. Yeah. And she had you trim your crust. And I used a pair of um, kitchen shears to a half an inch all the way around and then folded it inward 
not toward the pan itself, but toward the center of the pie. And that way I got it completely level with the top, but it didn't look crumbly or broken at the top. It just had this nice smooth fold. And once I poured my filling in, those ragged sides were all covered and it baked up nicely. And I was really happy with how that turned out. You prick it all over with a fork so that it doesn't puff in the oven. And then here's an interesting thing. She had us freeze it, us meaning me, she had me freeze it for another 30 minutes. The reason given is that if you freeze it, you don't need pie weights. So you don't have to use dry beans or anything like that. The, the, the fact that it's frozen is enough to keep it shape without having to press it up with weight, which is nice. Interesting. Do you have a go-to pie weight that you use? I have a bag of, I bought pie weights and they made a sad little spiral in the middle of the pie dough. Like they came <laughs> nowhere close to being enough. So I have a bag of beans that I use every time, dried beans, and I, I just keep reusing them because you're, you can't use, you can't eat them after you've used them as a pie weight. Yeah, then that's usually what I use as well. Right. I've actually seen, uh, I think it's Brave Tart uses sugar as a pie weight. And it uses a massive amount of sugar, but she said you end up with toasted sugar, which is good. So just go ahead and use pie sh uh, sugar inside of uh, tin foil, obviously. And then you can still use the sugar afterward, which I thought was a nice thought. But I go with beans. And in this case, I went with nothing. I sprayed the shiny side of a sheet of aluminum foil and pressed that in. And then I baked it at 375 for 20 minutes. Then she has you remove the foil, check to make sure it hasn't puffed. Mine hadn't because I'd pricked it all over with a fork. And then bake it for 10 minutes longer until it's firm and golden brown. And that worked without a hitch. No problem there. I transferred it to a pan to cool with the knowledge that it probably wouldn't be able to cool completely before I filled it. And it, it was still a little bit warm, but not bad. Then I got ready with my filling. And my filling was what actually, well, I won't get ahead of myself. So use a whole lemon. And it said 130 grams. So I actually used a lemon and a quarter because mine were a bit small. You peel off the sticker, in my case, rinse dry your lemon, and then you cut it in half and check to see if the rind is too thick. Mine was not particularly thick, so I kept going. But if you had a thick rind, there was a warning that if it was over a quarter inch or so, that you should peel one half of the lemon or it could get too bitter because of all the extra pith. Mine, like I said, was fine. So I sliced it in thin rounds, picked out all the seeds, and threw it in with one and a half cups of sugar and a stick of butter cut into chunks. At that point, you go ahead and process the lemon and the sugar together with the butter until it's smooth. It's thoroughly pureed. There are no chunks of lemon hiding in there. And you can honestly just pulse the shit out of it because it's supposed to be smooth anyway. It, it's not like making pastry. At that point, I added the four eggs, two tablespoons of cornstarch, and a quarter teaspoon of table salt. And you just pulse it until it's smooth. And again, it doesn't really matter if you beat the hell out of it. So don't worry about it. The whole thing took maybe like a minute to get it oh, all cool. together and you could probably do it in a Vitamix too if you have one. I poured that into the prepared tart shell and it filled it completely. I was careful. I slopped a little bit over the edge but I was able to kind of get it out with my pinky finger because of the <laughs> crust shrinkage because I had been warned. I baked the hat for I'm gonna say 30 minutes 
well, 35 minutes because, but I did the classic thing where I try to do other things while I bake. So I just, the baby was crying, put her in the baby backpack. I was walking around. I was like, might as well fill the bird feeders. Well, one of the bird feeders, I found why the birds haven't been eating it because it has all molded into a big clump at the bottom of the bird feeder. So I'm knocking bird seed out. I'm rinsing it at the spigot. Like I'm taking care of this chore. And all of a sudden I think it's been a while since I walked away. And it was at 10 minutes when I walked away. I bet it's ready. So I went back inside and it was a pretty light brown on top. And if I tapped the, um, the sheet pan that it was sitting on, I still got a good wobble. So I figured that was the perfect time to take it out. I took it out, still getting that wobble. I set it on a cooling rack and let it sit. Uh, I forgot to snap a picture at the time limit, but it was done at the time limit. However, it was probably not ready to take out of the tin. So I will say, uh, keeping myself honest, I once again have completely screwed the pooch on the timing. Eventually, I took it out, took a couple of pictures, and after we got the baby in bed and everybody got washed up and in pajamas, which is how evening in my house goes at, you know, like 8 p.m. Um, <laughs> we uh, went ahead and cut and served. And I got to tell you, it wasn't good. Oh, no. I know. It went perfectly. It, it went so well. It was pretty. I, I sent you a picture. I think I think I did anyway. Yeah, you did. It looked great. It looked great. And I would do another lemon tart. It set perfectly. The set was great. The texture was perfect. It was the pith. It was that oh, pith. it had too bitter. It had a bitter edge. It and the first you get halfway through your piece and think I kind of like it. Like this, it's complex. I like it. And by the end of the bite, uh, by the end of the slice, all you can taste is bitter. Oh no, that's no good. Uh huh. Yep. Meyer lemons might work better because they have a very thin peel. But if I were to do it again, I wouldn't risk it. I would just go with another recipe. But it, I learned something, which is that a little bit of bitter is still bitter. And I don't like bitter. <laughs> I mean, good to know. It it had great tartness. The balance was great. It had a beautiful color that came from all of that rind in there. But when it comes down to it, pith just has no place in my tart. Yeah, and if you were going to do bitter or add something like that, then like a dark chocolate or something would have been... Bitter is not necessarily a bad flavor, but it's got to be in there with something a bit more savory or something to balance it out. And lemon was really the only flavoring agent in this. Correct. It just didn't hit it for me. And in fact, Ryan and I talked about it and I said, is it okay if I throw the rest away? And he's like, yeah, I don't think I want any more. That's, I mean, <laughs> honestly, the thing I'm sad about is like two sticks of butter. Damn it. <laughs> Butter's not cheap. And so... Yeah, two sticks of butter uh, did not go down that great. I, I would rather have had that coffee ice cream from inside that baked Alaska. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like you learned some stuff. So, and would would you make something of this kind of variety again? Absolutely. Not this recipe, perhaps. Um, because like we talked about, tart seems fancy. And it honestly wasn't as hard as a pie. I thought I would have to cook the custard in a custard pie because all the, all the custards I've made before are cooked. But I mean... You could make this filling in a blender. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, like, and it's, it's, you tell somebody you're bringing a tarte au citron to your dinner party. Not that I've ever, like, been to a dinner party that I can remember. But, like, I had a dinner club when I was in grad school, but, like, it, it wasn't like that. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like, it was fun. But, yeah, it wasn't, like, me trying to impress people. It was like, look, I cooked. But, yeah, I... I would definitely try another tart of citron. I love lemon flavor. I like tart. I liked this crust. I thought the crust worked really well, but pith. How does the 
How does the texture compare to like a um, a lemon curd? Very, very similar. Okay, that that's what I was thinking. It's just probably not as sharp as a curd would be. Correct. And in fact, if I, I when I was researching and decided I wanted to do a tart of citron, I looked up because I happened to have lemon curd in my pantry and for a split second I thought I'd be lazy enough that I could just use some lemon curd in a jar <laughs> and then I was like Megan don't be don't be like that and but then then I made a gross one the, if I had gone with the stuff in a jar it would have been good I had the bon maman and it turns out that on their website they have a recipe for how to do that with the jarred lemon curd and it's basically just put some lemon curd in a tart shell cool and so that's definitely a valid option and so you mentioned you know that this would be great dinner party fair so you would serve this to people and serve it to events not this recipe but a a better recipe of uh, yes absolutely variety. another tart of citron absolutely <laughs> yeah like but but not the whole lemon tart i wonder a little bit because lemon's gonna have an exceptionally bitter pith if maybe orange would have been interesting like hmm. a whole orange tart but I've never heard of an orange tart, which to me says something. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention. I've realized that tarts, with the exception of citrus and pear, are a very summery dessert. I, almost every recipe I came across was for some kind of berry or a summer fruit, like peaches. Uh, I actually have one of Chetna McCann's, the contestant's, cookbook and I haven't made anything out of it and I was eager to and I looked up her tart but it called for fresh mango and mango's a summer fruit she even mentions that that's how you knew it was summer and I don't want to make this fabulous tart with crappy out-of-season mangoes and so I've started one thing I can say about living in Alabama is that I have really discovered the wonder of the farmer's market and like tomatoes I, I didn't get it before but i get tomatoes now like i <laughs> i i'm serious like i've lived in the south my whole life but I, we always shopped at a grocery store and so i didn't get that they could be good they're not just good they're amazing peaches are another example peaches are grown here and like after having a summer alabama farmer's market peach i'm not gonna buy a winter peach in a grocery store it's just a waste of my money yeah so I'll have to try more tarts this summer. Absolutely. Except I'll be in Hawaii. I know, where the mango will be even fresher. That's a good point. I wonder if they grow them there. Yeah, because, or pineapple. Um, ooh, I bet it would be great. Ooh, a pineapple. T- ooh, yeah, pureed, like with mm-hmm. a custard. Oh, that would be amazing. Thank you so much for listening today. If you like the show, tell a friend or give us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. Uh, you know, and seriously, tell somebody about it. Megan and I have had a blast making this show, and we're going to keep going. It looks like we're going to be done with this season by the middle of February. Woo! You can reach out and ask us questions and let us know what you think at thegingamaltershow at gmail.com. You can find the show on Instagram and see pictures of our attempted bakes at the handle The Gingham Alter Show. Our theme music is Cheery Monday by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. And all of these details and so much more can be found in the show notes each week. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Megan. And this is Mac. Wishing you a lovely bake. (laughs) 